when I think about equity, and that's a, um, it's kind of become a buzzword just because when you look at more broadly what's happening across the nation today, and you think about historically how policy and practice came together to either help certain neighborhoods or um, whether intended or not, um, had negative consequences on certain neighborhoods. You're, you're sort of seeing that, and I think people are very thirsty to try to understand and have conversation about that. Equity and equality have been integral to how we as Americans talk and think about ourselves, our country and its institutions, about our neighbors and fellow Americans. But when we take a good look at our history and our communities, we see something else, something less than that perfect dream. Welcome to This Is Community, a podcast series by Purpose Built Communities. In the last two episodes, we saw how both a charter school and a public school can be successful in building a cradle-to-college pipeline for every child to be able to reach their full potential. In this episode, we'll see what it looks like to put equity first, to fight back against the forces of gentrification, to create a community where everyone is welcome, where everyone is empowered to give back to their community. This is episode six, People, Place, Equity. Michelle Matthews is Senior Vice President of Purpose Built Communities. Our founding documents in this idea of all are created equal, we often operate as, as that how what we have practiced. And instead, it really is what we aspire. And we have cognitive dissidence against that because it's so fundamental that we want to believe that we have always been fair in the distribution of those resources when we look historically and we know that that's not true. You balance that with very much an individual orientation, pull yourself up from the bootstraps. The American dream is possible for anyone. That cognitive dissonance runs deep in the American psyche. While we talk about wanting equality for all, when we are presented with the opportunity, Sometimes we have a knee-jerk reaction to helping the collective because of our culture's stress on the individual, on pulling yourself up by the bootstraps, on not needing a handout. If we want all, and very few people disagree with we want all people to succeed, there is benefit to that additional investment for those individuals that then will help us all. Some of that is an economic argument. Um, some of that is uh, you know, proximity to neighborhoods that have been disinvested in and, and crime and some of the other things that spill over. So there's just, there is a lot of interdependence, but we're, we are individualistic somewhat as a society and it's a, tough, it's a tough thing to really wrestle with. That defensiveness can also come from our country's long and difficult relationship with race and racism. W.E.B. Du Bois famously said, the problem of the 20th century, which we see is still true today, is the problem of the color line. And any time you talk about race, we as a nation have not really healed from some of that, and so it's a lot easier to sort of say that happened in the past, and there, it's so charged that it almost creates so much defensiveness 
for some people that it's just not something that they, they can wrestle with. But you think the investment is for a whole host of people that don't look like you that will come into the community. You know, you get resistance in ways that seem counterproductive. So, as a whole, we haven't fully lived up to that American ideal of equality. But equity is not the same thing as equality. There's an image that's also entered the lexicon of community development circles. It's of three people looking over the outfield fence at a baseball game. One of them is tall and able to see over the fence. The second one in the middle is just peering over the fence. He's just tall enough to see over it. The third is too short to see the game. Equality in this situation would be giving each person a crate to stand on, everyone getting equal support. But the shortest of the three, he still can't see over the fence and enjoy the game. Equity, on the other hand, would mean giving each however many crates they need, none for the tallest person, one for the person in the middle, and three for the third one. Now everyone can see above the fence and enjoy the game. Equality, which I think is very much something that Americans have talked about since civil rights and, you know, all men are created equal. It's in the, um, the founding documents of our country. You know, sort of everybody gets the, the same thing no matter what their need is, whereas those kids on those boxes are different heights. And so equity is this idea of really understanding what an individual or groups need and then determining how you invest your resources to be able to support those needs. It's all in how you approach and view the problem and the situation on the ground. Leading and working towards equity takes a more nuanced and sophisticated approach to be able to see and strategically match the revitalization work to the needs of the residents in a community. Perspective is important. Your perspective about sort of the fairness of how resources have been distributed and policies have been put in place, if you come from a perspective that it really is now we're all equal, the idea of equity is really a tough one. So I think you have to have some historical perspective to come to the equity conversation in a way that you even can see that there's a need for it. If we have to think about what individual communities and individuals need, then if we give everybody a dollar, but we're not all starting in the same place, that dollar is going to have a different level of impact. And so this is really a hard concept, I think, for a lot of people to really wrestle with because we really are focused on equality. And so that means that everybody should get the same thing. But just bringing money and partners to the table and investing it into the community isn't enough. That, while well-intentioned and helpful in its own right, will just treat the symptoms of the issue of intergenerational poverty rather than attacking the driving factors behind it. You need to be intentional in the way you invest and build up your strategy in the community to meet the needs and vision of the community members themselves. There's a lot of things you could do, right, that could help individuals and communities. And this, I think, is where the tricky part is. I think you have to be intentional about that investment and that perspective that looks at how do we create healthier place-based environments that will allow families and institutions 
to thrive in that place. And so you have to be very intentional with limited resources with where you're gonna get the biggest bang for the buck. The part that is, I think that I personally wrestle with is that intentionality also has to happen at an individual level because these are people that are living in a neighborhood and no matter what our vision is or a collective vision of partners, it has different implications for individuals. And so you're balancing that with that idea of if I just stay at the individual level and I'm intentional, that's a lot of times what many programs do and we need those. But without this infusion at a systems level, it's really gonna be difficult to, uh, to lift a neighborhood and a group of residents and a particular population to a place where they are on a more equal footing once you're intentional about those investments. So I think you can principally agree with these, but then you have to think about how to put them into practice. And this is very hard work and you have to capitalize on opportunities. And so sort of thinking deeply about that, thought from all those levels with partners is challenging. But I also think that it is, um, you know, challenging for the neighborhood too, because when you have seen disinvestment, when you have seen promises, when you, um, because most of the neighborhoods that we um, work in, people of color live, live there. So it's not like you are not cognizant of these systems in these ways in which they don't necessarily support you as a race or a group of people. You know, there's a lot of skepticism. Getting tapped into the community to see what unique needs and history it has and building the relationships and trust requires what Brian Stevenson of the Equal Justice Initiative calls getting proximate. To be a change agent, you need to be there to share the experiences and listen to what those in the community want and dream of. Because how do you know what a community needs unless you are in there really understanding the community? So equity means that you have to have voices of those that you're trying to um, help as part of shaping the solution in addition to understanding what the problem is. You're better able to figure out how do we all work together if you have some sense of that network of relationships that are in the community and have an interest in that community. Buy-in from the community is essential. Without it, you won't address the cycles of intergenerational poverty. You won't create healthy, vibrant neighborhoods that people want to live in. Community revitalization lives or dies by how much residents feel like they're an equal partner in the process. People have a sense that when they're talking about their neighborhood and they're talking about the future of their neighborhood, that they feel like they are part of bringing that into being. Not just with the aspirations that they might be able to say, we'd like this type of building here, we'd like this type of um, retail establishment, because that's giving voice and feeling like I have some input. That is very different than I have a sense of power and agency that I can abdicate on my own for what I want in, in the neighborhood. And in many cases, the difference between that healthy 
community, if we just use that language, is because people within the community have that, they know they have power, they know how to use that power to influence people that are making decisions that will have their effect, and they have the leadership and the agency to be able to do that. So I think if our neighborhoods have all those amenities, and yet the individuals within the neighborhood that we've done nothing to promote and sustain that level of agency and that level of empowerment, then I don't think it's a healthy neighborhood. In the next episode of This Is Community, we'll see how fighting against the forces of gentrification is a difficult but necessary part of transforming a neighborhood. And it's really about preserving spaces, you know, and so looking at creative ways that we can ensure that we can um, keep people in place, um, how we can turn our community into a community of choice for all people to make sure that people can really vote with their feet and stay exactly where they want to. Listen to This Is Community wherever podcasts are available or on purposebuiltcommunities.org slash podcast where you'll find more information on the Purpose Built model and the stories from this podcast. This podcast is created in partnership with HL Strategy. Our executive producers are Aton Davidson, Howard Lawley, and Sherry Crawley. Our producer, director, and editor is Brady Hummel. Mixing and mastering is by Matt Honkinen, and our music is from Pitchwire. If you like this series, be sure to subscribe and share it. I'm Alexandra Wiggins for Purpose Built Communities, and this is community.